do it. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. And we are here today with our resident goals expert, John Acuff. Welcome. Let's do it. I'm excited. I'm going to judge the, the success of, of what I say today based on how many Instagram posts come after. So I'll be watching your Instagram <laughs> account. And if there's one, I'll know. Oh, But if there's a slideshow, there's a series, because you do such a good job of that. I love following you on Instagram because I get to learn so many different things from so many different people. Oh, that's awesome. I just absolutely love this. It is one of my favorite things ever to get a chance to talk to authors. I never in my entire life would have thought I would have been sitting across the screen from some of the most influential people. And for me in particular, John, I had a book that came out last year and what ran in my mind because I, I was sufficiently freaked out about the whole thing. Once it really came down to it, like it's launching tomorrow, you know, you're right there leading up. You're kind of like, oh, and then when you're right there, it was your words that really were in my mind. And this part about, you know, people that are in the stands, you know, they're not getting critiqued and, yeah. and all of these words. And I just was so thankful for those things and the different failures and the well, <laughs> one of the biggest failures was that I missed your incredible endorsement. That was my fault. And there was a lot of things. That was just a private endorsement. You got to enjoy that <laughs> privately. That wasn't for the world. That was for you and your husband. <laughs> so sad. So I had, I had mishaps and missteps and it truly was. It was your books. That's what I was going back to, to soothe my soul and to find strength. So I just want to publicly say thank you Oh sure. for what you put out in the world. You've been on our podcast several times. We've talked about your book, Finish. Yep. Phenomenal. We've talked about your book, All It Takes is a Goal. Yep. Phenomenal. I mean, we're, ha we're in a new year. If you've got goals and you want to make your life better, phenomenal book. I read the one you wrote with your girls, which was a spinoff of this book, Soundtracks, which yep. this is the most recent one that I've read. And you have so many more. I'm going to have to ask you which one to read next. And also I read, I'm, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm like, if I read the book and I have time, I'm trying to grab one book that was recommended. Oh yeah. That, yeah. James Victoria. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's fantastic. He is so creative. Yeah. Who, yeah. I love it. I love it. And he, he has another book about perfectionism. That's fantastic. That it's really good. Yes. I couldn't even get that one. That one was yeah. sold out. So anyway, just a huge thank you to you for those words that sustain people. And I think you never know, you put your words out into the world and you don't know in what particular context yeah. it's going to affect someone. So I wanted to say thank you for that. You do know if you don't put it out, it won't impact anybody. So that like you do have a guarantee. The guarantee if you don't do it, it won't impact anybody. If you do do it, it will impact more people, different people, far away people, close up people. You don't like my mailman has referenced stuff I've posted before. And I'm like, oh, I need to not do a joke about the mailman on Instagram because that dude is like, hey, that thing you said. I'm like, oh, my UPS guy once this is like five years ago said, hey, does your book about career change work? Does it work? Because he wanted to change jobs. And so wow. for me, yeah, you don't know where it'll go, but you do know it'll go nowhere if you don't put it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so interesting to have these books that have been published years in the past that are reaching people at this present moment. And I think that's a bizarre, wild, and very cool thing. Soundtracks you wrote in 2021, and you are on a book writing yeah. journey here. I mean, you've got one, and then the next, and then the next year, and all these books. Yeah. So Soundtracks is a book about overthinking, and I think it's something that obviously many, 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 many people struggle with. And you have your Reese, Mike, 
Is it Mike Peasley? Mike Peasley. PhD? Mike Peasley. Yeah. PhD. I always say PhD because he doesn't. I laughed the most in this one. Would you say this one is your funniest? Yeah. I mean, other than uh, stuff Christians like, which is all satire, which, you know, like that was mm -hmm. designed to be nothing but funny. But yeah, as far as a funny nonfiction, yeah, definitely soundtracks. I mean, yeah, I laughed my way through this one. Soundtracks, the surprising solution to overthinking. Let's start here. Let's start with regret because for people that are kicking off their 1000 hours outside journey, a lot of families come in and say, my kid's 12. Yeah. And I wish I would have known about this when my kid was two. Yeah. We deal with a lot of regret in life. I do. You say thinking and worrying and overthinking cost you seven years. Who knows how much further I'd be if I'd spent those seven years growing my audience and content. How do we handle those last years? Well, I mean, I think one, it's okay to have regret. So I, I'm a big believer in taking the shame and the sting out of feelings. Like there's times where half of what I do with somebody is go, yeah, you feel sad about that. That was sad. Like sad is the right thing. Cause they go, I feel sad. So I failed a normal person, a better person, a stronger person wouldn't feel overwhelmed or sad. And so some of it is you admit that it's okay to feel that. And then you go, okay, well, what do I want to do now? What comes next? You know, I sometimes will say being afraid is a feeling, staying afraid is a choice. So being afraid is a feeling, staying afraid is a choice. There are things that are going to make you feel afraid that come out of nowhere and you're going to feel that it's going to be like this tidal wave. And then you get to choose to do other things. Then you get to choose to do other things. So like one of the things I'd say to somebody, I always say one of the worst things you can say to somebody who feels regret or feels anxious is there's nothing you could do about it. You shouldn't feel anxious. That's the worst thing. That, that's why I feel anxious because there's nothing to do. A better thing to say would be, what can we do about it today? What can we do about it today to feel different? And that's where your, your work is so instructive in, hey, well, what if we got outside? What if we spent 10 minutes? What if we called a friend? What if we wrote it down? There's so many tactical things, but when you get in kind of this regret cycle, you think you're out of options. What, what a perfect trap um, it is to say, if I could go back 10 years and fix that problem, then everything would be fine because you can't. And you're right. donating current present time to an impossibility. For me, it's really about feeling it, being okay to feel it. And then when you can, moving toward positive forward action. And that can be, I talk to a counselor. It can be, I talk to my spouse. Sometimes like it's really, really helpful. I was thinking about this just the other day. Like it's really helpful to say like five different words or really just a couple of simple words. Think about it this way. Like instead of saying, I'm a perfectionist, say, I'm afraid of failing. Instead of saying, I'm a procrastinator, say, I'm afraid of starting. Instead of saying, I'm a control freak, say, I'm afraid of the unknown. Once you say it out loud, you can start dealing with the real issue instead of hiding in a label. And so if, if I can just say, I'm afraid of blank, then I can go, huh, why am I afraid of that? What's really going on there versus ignoring it or feeling like a failure? I can actually deal with it. So sometimes it's as simple as saying, I regret that this happened and then starting the process that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to pick up this book because you say, I happened upon a secret. It was seven years, seven years of not getting anywhere. And then things changed and they changed incredibly. You went from not having any speaking gigs to having 80 in a year. You went from mm. wanting to be a speaker to speaking opening for Dolly Parton at the Ryman. So mm -hmm. you watch the journey, you did it. You actually mm -hmm. did it. And you could have wallowed and sat in that spot of, ah, oh, if only, if only, if only, but you moved forward. And I think that is so inspiring for people. 
talking about these mantras that you say, the five different words, you have a lot of them in this book. I actually just texted my friend yesterday because she was frustrated about something. And I said, I just read this book called Soundtracks by John Acuff. And he says to say, everything is always working out for me. Yeah, yeah. Talk us through, you have a lot of them. Really, this book is about kind of mantras and the soundtracks that play in your mind, the things that come up. What are some of your favorite ones? Oh, yeah. Well, what's fun is it's become part of our family conversation. So you you talk to a lot of families. And when you talk to your kids about them, they start writing their own. So for instance, yesterday, this happened yesterday. My daughter, Ellie, is in London for the semester. She's 20. She went to London. Big adventure. She's been there two days. And she texted um, her mother and I and said, hey, I've got two new soundtracks for London. Tired is better than regret. And a snack fixes everything. And so she was saying, hey, I'm going to go do the stuff. I'm not going to sit in the study center and go, oh, I'm kind of tired. I think I'll watch Netflix. She's going to say, I'm going to go to Wales. I'm going to go to Scotland. I'm going to go to Buckingham, whatever. She's going to do it because tired beats regret. And then if her and her friends are grumpy and they're snippy and they're fighting, a snack fixes a lot of problems. Like maybe they're hungry. Maybe uh a protein bar would help. So for me, it's an ongoing process. I'm constantly adding new soundtracks. And the reason I do that is I need reminders. I need reminders of the truth. I need reminders of hope. I need reminders to lean into action. I need a lot of reminders. And I think that sometimes we forget that it's okay to need those. And then it's it's great to actually do something about it. So just today I wrote one. I wrote one this morning. I've got a big podcast interview I'm doing on my podcast. And I felt this sense of like, oh, I got to really kind of impress this person. Like I felt this insecurity starting to kind of well up. And so I thought, no, I need a new soundtrack. So I just wrote down like, Instead of wasting time trying to impress them with your accomplishments, spend time listening and learning in humility. Like I'll get so much more out of it if I don't spend a lot of time trying to name drop things I've done or insert things I've done, but instead just ask them really insightful questions about their life and learn from them. I'm there to learn. I'm not there to impress. And so like I wrote that today. So there's favorites I have like fear gets a voice, not a vote. I'm going to listen to fear. I'm going to learn from it, but it doesn't get to sit at the head of my table and tell me what to do. So like, that's a standard one. I say another one we say in our house is own the ask, own the ask. So when like one of my teenagers goes, yeah, there's nothing going on this weekend. Nobody asked me to do anything. We go own the ask. If you want to see a friend, be the one, be the one who sets up the coffee, be the one who's brave. It takes bravery, takes vulnerability because they could say no, but if you really want to do it, own the ask. And so that's an adult one too. Like if I want to see a dude that I haven't seen in a while, or if I want to have somebody on my podcast, I need to own the ask. And so I'm constantly creating new ones. It's a running conversation we have in our house. It's a running conversation I have with my friends. Another one, my daughter who's in college, she said her sophomore year, she said, one of my soundtracks is sophomores don't get embarrassed. I've taught all my friends, hey, we don't get embarrassed. We're not freshmen anymore. Like we don't get embarrassed. We're not doing embarrassment. That ain't it this year. Sophomores don't get embarrassed. And so they don't have to be super creative. They don't have to be super sexy or hooky or anything. But I just think that if you'll spend some time, you'll be wildly amazed at how much your thoughts are impacting you. That's the first thing. The first surprise is, whoa, they're steering the whole ship. I had no idea. And two, I get to change them. Those are two life-changing realizations about your thought life. And, and it doesn't have to be this like woo-woo spiritual, like you manifest something, like not at all. You get to, in practical, tactical ways, change the way you think, and it will change your entire life. 
Well, we're so bombarded. And that's the thing. We're bombarded with all sorts of other messaging. Oh, and I think dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you and I are the same on that. Like I'm really deliberate to recognize the way the world is right now. Like I've got this idea that I'm going to share with parents because I've started to speak a little more to parents because I am a parent. I've got an 18 year old and a 20 year old and just like the stakes are higher now. And I, I'm trying to help parents see that like one, when you were a kid, the drugs weren't laced with fentanyl. Like the stakes are higher. We've said to our kids, like, you can't experiment. You don't know if there's fentanyl in something. Number two, when you were a kid, if you wanted to gamble, you needed to go to a casino or know a bookie. And now all it takes is an app. Number three, when you were a kid, the world's entire porn collection wasn't in a pocket computer. Like the stakes are higher now. And so we are bombarded. It is difficult. Like it's not a question of whether you'll have thoughts. It's a question of whether you'll choose them, whether you'll mm -hmm. be happy with them, whether they'll be for you or against you, or whether they'll create inadequacy and doubt and sadness. I think you and I talked about this before. The Even just like what I would call like depression wear, like clothing lines that say like shirts that say, I, I can't adult today. There's so many studies about the things you repeat, the things you read have a consequence on you. So imagine you wear a shirt all day that says, I can't adult today. Like you're telling yourself a thousand times that day, you're inadequate, you're incapable. You can't do simple things that you're supposed to do. Like it's not going to work. And that snuck into our kind of cultural discussion, this sense of I'm a failure in cutesy, creative ways. And I think it has more consequence on us than we understand. Wow. Wow. Well, that's why I continue to read. People ask, and I'm reading books about the same things a lot of times. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get outside. So I'm reading books about why dirt is good for you, earthing, all these different things. And it's because I don't really want to go outside. <laughs> it's because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know it's good for me. I know it's yeah. good for the kids, yeah. but I don't want to do that. I want to do other stuff. And I think you constantly have to have those reminders. And so you have in this book, so many ideas of these different things that you can say to yourself. One of the ones that stuck out to me in particular was momentum is messy. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I need that one. A lot of these people say, you know, it's kind of like you writing, you know, your mission, like your mission is built from your life, your heart, like something that you needed and wanted. And you saw with your kids and you saw the benefit and then you couldn't help but share it. I think that's where the best movements start is where somebody has a personal experience and goes, oh my gosh, like, I found this, I got to tell everybody like this thing is. And so for me, momentum is messy is a reminder that when I'm starting something, when I'm in the middle of something, I want it to be perfect. I want it to be clean. I, you know, I want to not forget an endorsement. You know, I want to not whatever the thing is, but I have to remind myself, no, it's not a, it's not a sign of failure. It's actually a sign of momentum. So I'll give you an example. I had a job once and I was underutilized. I was just flat out underutilized and I was bored. And so I made it my mission to really manicure my inbox. And my inbox was perfect because I didn't have enough to do. So then later running my own company, it's hard to keep a perfect inbox because there's so many moving pieces. Yeah. I've got momentum and it's messy. And you actually said, you actually gave me a great example of that, that principle. I asked you on my podcast, all it takes is a goal. What's something you don't do in order to do all the things you do? What's something you don't do? And you said, I don't put a huge priority on cleaning. Like I've never once remembered the clean moments where I've a year later, I don't go, 
Remember that time the baseboards were dust-free? Man, that was such a special moment for our family. It's something I'll, I'll tell my, I'll, I'll say that at my daughter's uh, rehearsal dinner when she gets married. Like, no, you remember <laughs> the moment. So you deliberately were like, momentum from a family perspective has mess involved. And so that's a reminder for me because I'm like you, I forget that. I find personally that it's easy to forget the good things it's, it, and it's easy to remember the bad things. Our brain is wired for what they call negativity bias. We remember the bad things. And so it's easy for me to forget the good things. So I need a list. I need to read the extra book about getting outside. I need to, you know, have friends that encourage me. I need to have things written on, like I have 70 different soundtracks written on my wall right now you know, that I go, Oh, okay. Like here's one. It's just a negative one I disagree when parents say your teenager will hate you. I think we create this self-perpetuating myth of like, Oh, they're 14. Do they hate you yet? Like, I don't accept that. Will they be moody at times and challenging times? Of course we all were, but I don't accept that there's six years or whatever, where they're going to hate me because then I fall, I create that. I help create that because I believe it. And then I start looking for examples of it. But I need a wall chart of 70 where I'm I'm remembering those and going, oh, that's right. Like, that's true. That Because I'm going to forget it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to forget it. And I need reminders. Wow. So people can find these in the book. There's so many of them. I liked the one about light and easy. I liked the one about <laughs> delusional positivity. And I'm somebody's Lego. I mean, spare change adds up. There is a lot in here. They're in here. You want to grab the book, soundtracks. It is funny. I, I laugh my way through this one. I, yeah, you don't have to be serious. Like, that's the thing for me. I think life is funny. And mm -hmm. I like to make people laugh. And I like to laugh myself. There's ridiculous things that I've done or tried. Um, I'm always trying new goals. I'm always trying things. I'm like, that's if I shared that and my wife's really encouraged me lately to like, you need to share more of that because I'm doing like 99 ridiculous things behind the scenes. But then sometimes when I get on social media, I'm like, I got to be serious. New York Times bestseller. And it's not who I really am. Like, I'm pretty silly. I try ridiculous things. Um, and so for me, I know the book works when I'm laughing while I'm writing it. And I'm like, that was ridiculous. Like, or when I'm able to do like a left hand turn that somebody doesn't see coming. And it, it feels funny to me. Like one of yes. my favorite, go ahead. Oh, even on a page turn in this one. There was one time where I, where I turned the page and I was like, <laughs> there was two times where I was like really not expecting it. And I don't want to give it away because yeah. I mean, it's like there's suspense in a nonfiction, but one of the ones was about the boss. You had this boss <laughs> oh, yeah, and yeah. your yeah. boss was like, well, if you go to the bathroom, you know, that took you a minute and a half. You're going to have to give me count. a minute yeah. and a half. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I did not see that twist coming is such a funny book. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say that. So that principle for me is kind of the like, does it count or does it not count? I think a lot of people, when they try a goal, when they try to change their life, they get really rigid. They get really legalistic. So they go from not, it's kind of like swinging from the comfort zone to the chaos zone, which I talk about in all it takes a goal. Like they get really legalistic. And I, I actually, I have your app. I'm using your app right now. Like I, this year, I, I like, I paid for it with my own money. I want to be upfront <laughs> about that. Like it's been a pretty good All year. Right. I was able to afford her app. I love when people are like, I don't know if I want to pay whatever the app costs. And they're like <laughs> drinking an $8 coffee. You have an $8 coffee. That's going to last 17 minutes. You don't want to pay $2.99 for a full year for a full year. <laughs> like that's it. That's it. It's going to give you joy for a solid 365 days. So I'll just tell you right now, I'll check in 
So far, I've done 13 hours and 35 minutes outside. So there's my progress. I've already got one of the badges. I've got the 10-hour badge. I'm 36 hours to go to the first 50. <laughs> That's incredible, John. But what I like, what's funny to me, I've been talking about that to my own group. I have this community called the Guaranteed Goals Community, and I've been bragging on you in that community. And somebody asked, because we're counting hours this year, like we're doing our own, like how many hours do you focus on goals? And people keep asking me like, well, does this count? Does that count? And I, I keep saying it all counts. And I say, I use you as an example because I said, I guarantee if you ask Jenny that if you go camping for 36 hours, do you subtract the time you were in the tent? Because technically you were under a one eighth quarter inch of like tent fabric. So that's, you're really not out. So like, I, I was like, I promise you, Jenny would not be like, stop your timer when you go inside the tent, start it when you leave. Like that's way too legalistic. It's not fun. You're going to get stuck in perfectionism. So I love, that's one of my main soundtracks is it counts. It all counts. It counts. It all counts because it gives you freedom to be messy. It gives you freedom. Like I even told people you should have like, for me, if I do a thousand hours on my goals this year, I'm going to have a 5% at least rate of error. And that's 50 hours. So if I forget to stop the timer, okay. Like I got 50 hours of error, like no, no problem. Because I know if I don't give myself that, I will stop week two, week three, week four, yeah. when it's not perfect. So I'd rather go in knowing, now nah, I got like 50 hours. It's just going to be messed up. I'm still going to get 950 solid. Like that's amazing. Yeah, it's going to change your life. And even if you don't get it, even if you got 622, no. this is going to change your life. Oh, I'm going to land at 500. I'll hit your goal. Like you're a thousand hours. I bet I'll go about 500. I think. I think that's where I'll. And it just doesn't matter. But you told me it's the best challenge you've ever failed. Like mm -hmm. you told me that when we talked. So that's another soundtrack. This is the best challenge I've ever failed because I did 500 more than I would have if I hadn't tried the goal. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this. This is a really big thing. What your books have done, because we've been doing this for a decade and what your books have done has actually given me clarity about why it works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it just works. And then I read your books and it was very eye-opening for me. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is yeah. the underlying thread of a lot of it. In every one of your books, I was eye-opening. I'm like, oh, that's kind of what we're doing. And I can see why this is changing my life. So one of the ones is about gathering evidence. And there's two parts here. We live in a world where there's no evidence, really. Are, are you a good parent? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, mean, I have no idea. Yeah. There's nothing to stand on except for maybe grades and sports. And sometimes maybe that's why we're so over consumed with those things in our societies, because that's the only data we have is my kid is an honor roll student. My kid is a star quarterback. I mean, that's it. That's our only data. So gathering evidence and what changed my life was last year I aimed and you did too. Well, mine was for a thousand miles of movement. I was walking, you ran, but I didn't come anywhere close. I mean, I think I got into like the 300s. I stopped keeping track. I don't think I did much more than that. But by November of this past year, a couple months ago, I worked it out. And I figured out a way to mostly every day get out three miles. And it took me about nine or 10 months to <laughs> figure out yeah. how can I want to do this and I can't figure it out. Yeah. And the evidence helps us, I think, to make these small adjustments every day or at least to have it in our minds. So you talk about gathering evidence and we need to do that. I'm, you know, you had the example of your doubloon, <laughs> your doubloon. Yeah. <laughs> I still have them. They're in a jar behind me right now. Yeah. And I love that Jenny was like, well, 
Like, it's just, it's your own money. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, you're not earning money. So <laughs> the story she's referring to is, I wanted to change that I texted a lot while I drove. I was raising kids that were about to drive and I felt like a huge hypocrite going, you get, don't use your phone in the car. Like as I'm updating Instagram while we drive. And you said, I mean, it was funny because you were in, this is like you were in Canada. Oh yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm writing blog posts. It was, it was really funny. Yeah, no, I was writing, like, I wasn't just answering texts. I was like, you know, launching missiles. Like I was in <laughs> NASA with my phone while I drove. Like I was super important. So yeah. So I said to myself, I played a game. I'm constantly playing games with myself or constantly trying new things. And so I said, I'm going to give myself a dollar or a 50 cent piece, depending on which coin I can get the most of every time I drive without um, using my phone. And that's where my wife was like, I just need you to understand you went to the bank with paper money, you turned it into metal money. And now you're giving yourself that you're not earning money. And I was like, my brain thinks I am like my, <laughs> like, that's the thing you have to understand. Your brain is very suggestible. And you know this, cause if you've ever seen a shadow in a room and been like, Oh my gosh, that could be a grizzly bear. No, it's not like, but your brain in that moment is like, that is 100% a grizzly bear. I don't know how it got in here, but I, I see no other conclusion. So I just was like, okay, brain, we're going to get really excited about this coin every time we drive. And I did it again and again and again. And now I don't use my phone while I text. And so, so it worked. And so the evidence and the evidence can be gathered in so many different ways. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. When the skies open up, while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. 
From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Like even as a parent, one of the things I'll do is I'll remind my kids of good things that happened to them or things that they like exciting things. And I'll go, Hey, and I'll reflect it back to them. Part of your job as a parent is to reflect that back. So just the other day, something good happened to my youngest daughter and said, Hey, you need to file that one away. Like that, I, that was a great, you had a great week. Like that was a really, that was a really fun thing. Or like, wow, that was, you know, a really cool thing that happened. Or another, another way to do it is like to pass on compliments to people. That's another way to help someone gather evidence. So I love when, if somebody tells me, oh man, I loved Jenny's program. It was really good. I want to tell you like, hey, I was talking to this person and man, they were really excited. Or like Baker, like when we have the same publisher. I talked to them yesterday. I was like, oh, I'm going on Jenny's podcast tomorrow. Like, oh, we love her. Like, I want to pass that on because that's some additional evidence. So you find it in your own life, but then you start to help other people find it too. And then as far as like what works, what doesn't work, like right now, this is a post-it note that I'm holding up if you're listening. And it says emails at the top. And then it has Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're recording this on a Thursday. I realized I was giving way too much time to my inbox. My inbox gives me great, quick, shallow dopamine. So if I feel stressed, I go to my inbox. If I'm stressed on a big project that's going to take a year for me to get a dopamine hit on, writing a book, you don't get like response to that for a year or two. That's a hard patient road. And if you're addicted to dopamine, like I think most of us are, it's easier in that moment to go, oh, I'll write an Instagram post and get some likes. Oh, I'll go move some emails around and I'll feel accomplished. So I decided I'm going to, I need to check how much time I'm doing on email. And so I just came up with a game and my game was, can I do email Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for 30 minutes at a time? That's it, 30 minutes. And I'm going to schedule the time ahead of time. And then I'm going to time it because I'm a, I'm a nerd like that. And then I'm going to write down two points of evidence. How many emails were in my inbox and how much time it took. On day one, it only took me 16 minutes. I did 16 minutes of email. I run a business. Day two, 23 minutes. Day three was nine minutes. I got to zero in nine minutes. And so now I'm like, okay, let me test that for like 10 days, 20 days. And at the end of it, I'll probably have a new approach to email where it won't dominate me. It won't be a source of kind of dopamine addiction. It'll be like, no, it's a tool. And I respond to it. And if you get back to somebody within 24 hours, they're never like, I'm not a surgeon doing like heart saving surgery with my emails. Like, I, you know, like I'm really not, I can take 24 hours and respond later, but that's me gathering evidence. Cause my brain said, no, you need to be on email five, like constantly. You need an IV drip of email. Like every day you need to check it a hundred times, a hundred. Anytime you get a little bit of focus, break it by checking email. And I was like, well, I'm going to test that. I'm going to go get some evidence. So it's positive evidence, but it's also just data sometimes too. Yeah. And so at the, like at the end of this experiment, I won't be able to tell you, Jenny, I'm so busy. I got so much email to deal with. I really won't. And I'll be able to use that time for other things that have better weight and better return on investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So part of your 1000 hours outside journey is that you are gathering data and that data is giving you some life. I think data can do that. A hundred percent. That number's great. I get your badge. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Come on. Like, I don't know why we think that badges are for kids and not adults. Adults should just do stuff on their own. That's part of the myth you and I both fight against is that idea of like, as an adult, you shouldn't need community. You shouldn't need encouragement. You shouldn't need badges. You shouldn't need little games. You shouldn't need play. 
And I think both of us are like, no, it life's a lot more fun when you add those things. Yeah. And that's in all it takes is a goal where you talk about giving yourself rewards. You talk about your yeah. shoes. Yeah. Oh, this is an important thing. These books are going to change your life. I tell you what, any of these books by John Acuff, I have loved everyone and have laughed my way through. I'm asking you a question that I kind of don't want to ask that I really want to know the answer. Yeah, sure. Okay. So there is this question in here of who do you think you are? I put this under the gather evidence part. Yeah, sometimes we feel like we're fraud, we're phony. Yeah. Who do we think we are? We got to gather evidence. This was in the part where, and you said, <laughs> someone said you were funnier than Seinfeld. You were telling oh, yeah. dental dental yeah. jokes. Yep. <laughs> you put in the effort. And so you put out your courses, you put out your things into the world. Who do you think you are? So you were talking about Zig Ziglar. Is that really his name? Yeah. You've never heard of Zig Ziglar? No, I mean, I have. No, I yeah. have. That's I, really his name. Yeah. No, what, what is it? I was like, Real, did someone really yeah. name him that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I tell you what, I think that helps with their success if your name is Zig Ziglar. You met oh. him. Oh, yeah. We had lunch. He was amazing. And I mean, it's like my friend, I have a friend named Chandler Bolt. And I'm always like, man, I wish my last name was Bolt. There's so <laughs> many branding opportunities. Like you get, like it just writes, it's, you're a superhero. That's a superhero's name. Okay. So Zig Ziglar, and he, everyone knows who he is, I think. I think everyone's heard of him. Yeah. And you were talking about how, you're a huge fan of Seth Godin. And then Seth Godin is a huge fan of Zig Ziglar. And he listens to these affirmations. Mm -hmm. And okay, here's my question. Yeah, here's the question. So I printed these out. These Zig Ziglar, these daily success affirmations, he says them into the mirror. Yep. And then you wrote your own. Yeah. And I wouldn't have because I would have thought someone already did that. So my question is, why do you write your own? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I was waiting for something terrible. That's a great piece that I don't want to ask this. Uh, so why did I write it my own? Cause I'm a writer. Like, it's kind of like, why did the fish swim? Cause they're a fish. So for me, I tried his for a period of time and then I thought, okay, I want to figure out my version of that. Like, I think everybody goes, I want to figure out to some degree, my version of that. I think all, whether you call it self-help, nonfiction, personal development, whatever phrase you use, I think it should all be a la carte and you should all remix it to your life. So for me, when somebody says, here's exactly how to do something, I go, that was for their life. So now I'm going to say, okay, in the season of life I'm in, like an example of that would be if I, as an 18, like I have an 18 year old and a 20 year old, I have access to more hours of free time than somebody who has a two-year-old and a four-year-old. That's just the reality. And it would be very disheartening if I said to listeners, hey, on Saturday, you should be able to find four hours to write. Like eat, like you should be like, that's unfair because I have a daughter who's going to go hang out with her high school friends for four hours. And Jenny and I, I could read if I wanted to, I could write if I wanted to, but imagine if you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and they don't quit. Like there's no time on a Saturday where you, they go, a toddler says, I'm going to just entertain myself for four hours quietly. Not going to get into trouble, not going to paint anything or like find a knife. I'm just going to, you relax, mom, you take it, take, like put your feet up. So that's how I look at whether it's Zig Ziglar, whether it's Seth Goat, any, anybody who's giving me advice, I go, which parts of these fit exactly to my life? And sometimes there are where I go, oh, I'm in that exact season. But more often Ooh. I go... I tried this. Here's how it worked for me. I did this thing. I tweaked it 10%. I tweaked it 90%. I look at books. It's funny. I look at books and go, if I got one life-changing idea out of a book, it was worth the 20 bucks. Can you imagine going, yeah. change my life, $20? No, thank you. Like what? <laughs> that is a deal. That is the deal of the century. 
So for me, I'm reading resources, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm trying courses, and I'm going, which of these things can I can I apply to my life? I mean, Stephen Pressfield, one of my favorite books he ever wrote was called War of Art. And mm-hmm. he says, fear is a sign you're headed in the right direction, not the wrong direction. Yeah, I still think about that. There are other parts of the book that hit me too, but that one, I was like, oh, this yeah, is- Yeah, fear is a guide. Yeah, this is the, like, it's a flare. It's a signal flare. You're heading in the right direction. That changed how I thought about fear. And so that's why I wrote my own is that I would say in any book I read, I'm writing my own. Um, I might not write it exactly like that, like out, you know, on a piece of paper, but I'm remixing it and going, yeah, this applies to me. Here's how it applies to me. And this is how it fits me. Uh, It's really, it's really interesting because he's like the top of the top, Zig Ziglar. Everyone's heard of him. And I would have thought, well, he's already done that. So I'm not going to try and do that. Well, also though, I have specific issues I want to deal with. So momentum is messy is one of mine. Or I said, you know, one of mine was I'm the CEO of me and I'm the best boss. That was because I shared earlier, I had been the worst boss. So I think you should always in your life go, this is something I'm dealing with right now. And here's what I'm dealing with. And I need extra. Like I have a friend, um, Colleen Berry. She was my first podcast guest. She's an amazing woman. And she said, everybody's car is misaligned to some degree. And some are steering really hard left and you got to get them back on. Some only two degrees. So for me, I have a really negative mindset. I think some people are born with a positive mindset. That's amazing. I am a very negative mindset. So one of the things I have to do is overwork that area. I have to overwork that. It's kind of like if you are 6'8", you probably don't have to work on dunking a lot. Like if you're 6'8", you're not like constantly, but you're probably working on free throws. Like nobody was like, hey, Shaq, we need to spend like 10 hours working on dunks today. But they never said that, but they were definitely like, dude, if you could just half more on free throws, you would be unstoppable. Like, so for me, that's how I look at that is I go, okay, which of these things apply to me? And which of these things do I need extra attention, extra time on? It kind of goes along with, there was one of the soundtracks was pivot, don't panic. Yeah. And I like this thought of just making small changes. Sometimes that's going to make the biggest difference talking about having young kids and we don't have those little ones anymore, but our youngest is seven. And we had friends over for the Michigan was in the national championship, Michigan football. Oh, yeah. And we have friends over. It didn't end until 1130. And I mean, we don't know. We have 30 people over. People are leaving. And my seven-year-old was like, do you want to play rummy? I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. do not. It's 1130. Yeah. We yeah. have people over all day. Oh, I can't say are relentless. It definitely gets easier as they get older. But I thought that was so funny. It is so true, especially if you've got little ones. All right. Let's talk about these turndown techniques. Yeah, because this is just how life goes. I think you have days that are hard and you come to the plate with this expectation and hope and then you get derailed and you have days where you just feel really crummy. And I love this concept. We've actually talked about this the very first time we talked. Yeah. You know, that was such a cool thing. I told this story, but I just got your book in the mail from Baker. Yeah. And it was the one that you wrote with your daughters because you have this soundtracks book as available for specifically teens, tweens, give it to your kids. It's fantastic. That was the first book that we got to talk about. And I was thrilled. (laughs) It just showed up in my mailbox. I was like, this is incredible. Yeah, it's the best. Being an author is the best. Books just show up in your house. Like it's the dream. It's the sure is. And we talked about this somewhat, especially in relation to kids and just how heated life can get. So it's not a switch. It's a dial. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah. So the book you're talking about, the teen version is called Your New Playlist. And I wrote it with my two teenage daughters because so many parents were like, hey, I read soundtracks. I wish I could have changed my mindset as a teen. It would have changed my life. So the three of us wrote that book. But the turndown technique concept, it's David Thomas is a counselor here in Nashville. And basically the idea is we tend to want to switch. We want to find one thing we do that switches off stress forever, or we want to find one thing we do that we never feel sadness or pain or whatever. And that's not how life works. Life is a dial. There's going to be days, like you said, where it, it, the dial's up at 10 and the stress is at 10, the sadness is at 10. Yeah. And it's our job and opportunity and privilege to turn that dial down, to go, okay, when it's at a 10, how do I recognize it? How do I see it? And then what are the things that help me turn it down? It's really, really fun as an exercise to think through those before the moment. So in a moment of clarity, in a moment of courage to sit and go, you know what? I'm at my best when blank. You know what? I'm at my best when I get outside for half an hour a day. I'm at my best when um, my husband and I connect in the morning and at night. Or I'm at my best when I'm eating these types of foods. Or I get to listen to music. Or when I drive somewhere, you know, I listen to an audiobook. Whatever it is, you come up with a list of the 10 to 15, however long you want to make it, of things that turn your stress down. And then when you're in a stressful moment... You don't have to guess. Like a lot of what I teach is making life easier on yourself. Mm. How do you make it easier? You make stress easier by when you have a moment of it, you have, whether it's a list of soundtracks, whether it's a list of turndown techniques, you have some things to say, oh, that's right. No wonder I feel stressed. I haven't been moving my body in a week. Like no wonder mm. it's like, or, you know, here's the questions I ask myself, what's really going on? Yeah. You know, and, and then you start to, I think so much of this is developing self-awareness. So then you start to get ahead of it a little bit. You start to go, man, back to school season for me is stressful. And I know that. And I won't be surprised by it this year. Like in a stressful moment, put a flag in the ground, draw something on your calendar, draw like a frowny face so that as you review your calendar at the end of the year, you go, oh, that's right. Back to school. Always kind of. Oh, I feel that Christmas. Yeah. Every Christmas, year. Yeah. But you know, yeah. December 26th, there's going to be nothing. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, like, and you start to go, oh, I'm going to have a plan. Like it got me this year. Oh, you got me December 26. You got me next year though. I know you're on the calendar. I know you're coming back. I know how I'm going to feel. So I'm going to plan. like, I'm going to deliberately schedule a turndown technique of go to a matinee with my family and I'm going to hype it up and I'm going to amp it up. And so that's what I mean by turndown technique. But again, I think sometimes we think as adults, we don't need them. Sometimes I think we think they're silly. And like, sometimes people go, well, that just sounds like a crutch. And I always go, yes. Like, I don't need a crutch. I'm the guy. Some days I'm the guy. Um, like if you ever go skiing where you see somebody being taken down the mountain on a sled, like they're wrapped up completely. Some days are like that. I don't need a single crutch. I need ski patrol and a doll, a St. Bernard that finds me in the avalanche. And I need Can someone airlift me out of here, please. Somebody airlift <laughs> me out of here. And I need that many turndown techniques. So that's what a turndown technique is. And again, it brings you back to action because the problem with sadness, stress, anxiety, loneliness, whatever, is that they all lie to you. And one of the lies is they say, you feel lonely. You should spend some time alone figuring out why. No. And then it just spirals. Yeah. And then it just spir like, I feel regret. I should spend some time alone really rolling around in this to, to figure out what this is. And you go, no, you don't, you don't have to. Like, what are your turndown techniques? And some days you'll go through five of them and it won't move the needle, but number six will. Or you'll mm -hmm. go through 10 of them and go, oh, it doesn't move the needle, but number 11 will. And so that's what a turndown technique is. Mm. 
Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. I love that you are busting these myths of what adults do and don't do. You said successful people quietly practice self-talk and that successful people, this is what you were talking about in this section of turndown techniques. People do this. And I think what you've done for a lot of people is you've given the verbiage to what they're doing so that we can have this collective information and have the conversation to say, no, no, other people are doing this. And the really successful ones, they have these ways of dialing back their stress so that they can move forward and they don't get stuck. And you say you don't think your way out of overthinking, which is a huge statement. You act your way out. And I would imagine that most of us have this misconception that, you know, if I'm overthinking, that's, I mean, this whole book is about overthinking and analyzing and getting stuck they're like well i'll just think some more that's gonna get me out of this problem and it doesn't you have to do actions and i had talked to sissy goff who is with david over over at daystar and she was telling me about this box breathing that they sometimes call combat breathing i was like oh that's really fun and you do it on your leg and you draw this box anyways i did i actually did it the other day because i was feeling kind of stressed and she says it will change your brain in 20 seconds. I was like, come on, really 20? She was like, yeah. it's enough two boxes or something like that, that you draw and it gets the blood flowing back into the different parts of your brain. There was all this science behind it. So in this book, you have a list of 50. If you can't figure out yours, you have a list of 50 of these turndown techniques. One of them is walking in the woods. 
which I thought was amazing, obviously, <laughs> taking mm-hmm. a break from your phone. So there's a list of these in the book on page 76, lots of options. But I have found it in my own life. I started doing a little bit more hands-on things, keeping them in my purse. I think you and I may have talked about this, but I've got a cross-stitch kit. Yep. <laughs> it's in my purse with a little pair of scissors, and they're even airport approved. They're less than however they fold up these little scissors. Oh, nice. They were not expensive. I keep this little kit in my purse, and if I've got time or I'm feeling stressed, I can do a row or two of stitches. And it just, it's surprisingly simple, but it works. And you talk about one of yours is minor tasks. Yeah. I guess the thing is, is you think there's no way this could work, but it does. Yeah. I mean, I, but I think that's human nature. Hmm. It's okay to be doubtful, but I think you should still try. And the other thing is you try it and see if it works for you. Yeah. Like, and if it doesn't work for you, you try a different thing. But I think we're conditioned to think automatically that's nonsense, that'll never work, you know, that's silly. And some of this I go, I couldn't have written sound like I couldn't have written soundtracks first book because I didn't know it worked. But it's not my first book. Like it's it was my it was my seventh book. So there's principles too for me that I 100 percent understand somebody going, I don't know, I don't know. But it's harder for me to not share them because I've seen them work in my life and thousands of other people's lives at this point. I think it's perfectly fine to be doubtful of something. I think you should still try. I think anytime you catch yourself saying an automatic no before you've tried, you're just defending your comfort zone. You're just defending your stuckness. And so anytime I hear an automatic no from myself, I have to pause. And I'll, I'll like, here's one way I've, I'm working on that with my team. Marshall Goldsmith taught me this, this, this idea where he has executives pay $10 every time they shut down an idea or do a behavior they don't want to do. Is this the Hallmark guy? No, Marshall, uh, he's, he wrote, uh, what, what gets you there? Won't, what gets you here? What got you here? Won't get you there. And he said, um, you know, pay $10. So I said to my team, I have a small team that helps me do work and they're awesome. And I said, anytime you guys suggest something new in a meeting and I shut it down without us investigating it, at least a little bit, make a Venmo request, I'll give you $10. And it took him a couple meetings to believe me, but I kept saying it. And now like, it's a game. Like if I, if they go, Hey, what if we launch this? And I go, no, those never work. That's too complicated. No, they'll go, uh, I don't hate to do this, but I, I just venmo you because that's $10. And so for me, tie that to a soundtrack. One of my soundtracks is curiosity beats criticism. Curiosity beats criticism. And that can be in a team setting, that can be in an individual setting. So if you find yourself, if somebody says something like, what if you did this and you automatically say no, that's a gut check. That's a gut check to go, ooh, am I afraid? Did I get burned previously? Do I, you know, what's going on there? Why did I automatically say no? And so for me, again, it's another little game and it's me trying to change behavior and it's me being curious to try the thing because I'm as negative and doubtful and skeptical as anybody. But the more I try, the more results I get. And then results make it hard to be skeptical. Like they really do. And so as you start to gather that evidence and start to gather a little of that messy momentum, then you start to go, I'll try that. It feels weird. Feels dumb even. Feels a little like affirmations in the mirror. That's so silly. That's ridiculous. But I'm like, I'll try it. Like I'll give it a try. And if it works for me, I'll tweak it my own way. And if it doesn't work for me, I'll try something else. I don't want to stop trying. Yeah. But if I won't try, that's when I'm stuck. Well, yeah, because you think like, okay, my life is spiraling out of control with stress. Is it really going to make a difference if I rake the yard? But try it. And then you say, you have said before, I'm a witness. And that stuck with me because you know it works. I know that this little cross-stitch kit 
Mine is from Caterpillar something. I'll put it in the notes. They have these cute cross-stitch kits. You can put them in your purse. You're a witness. You know it works. And like you said, you can try your different things. I'm so glad you brought up that Marshall Goldsmith, though, because I had written down in my notes, Gordon McKenzie from Hallmark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hallmark guy. Brilliant. Who said, I've, uh, this is incredible. This is actually a source of contention. I tend to actually be, my dad is really positive. Like everything. We call him that he wears rose-colored glasses always. It's going to be fine. It's going to work out. We're going to make it on time. I mean, my whole life. And then Josh is definitely leans more your way. And so it's a, <laughs> really been a source of contention yeah. because I'm like, well, well, let's just try it. Well, let's, you know, whatever. And I loved this. He said, or you said, I'm not quite sure. There's a quote. And then there's another part. I have a choice. I can tell you and myself to go for it, or I can tell you it will never work. There's plenty of time for preparation and realism later. Yeah. But maybe in those initial conversations, what you don't need is a wet blanket. And then this Gordon McKenzie talks about how it works. He just said, I thought this was so good, John. Most companies are peppered with people who are very quick to say no. I thought about this even with parenting. Yeah. Sometimes our kids have really good ideas and we're just so quick to say no. Most newly hatched ideas are shot down before they even have time to grow feathers, let alone wings. And saying, yes, I'm just leveling the imbalance and it worked. We're back to that. Yeah. He tried it and it worked. People who have a deep passion for their ideas don't need a lot of encouragement. Oh, it's so true. One yes in a sea of no's can make the difference. This is huge. Yeah. So the way I look at it is, so I, I think about goals in four stages. You dream, you plan, you do, and you review. Like that's what it all comes down to. So in the dreaming stage, you need wild optimism like you do. And then there's time for realism and planning, like a hundred percent. But then you go back to optimism and doing because you wouldn't do it if you weren't optimistic. You wouldn't do it if you weren't confident, like, let's see. And then when you review it, you need realism to go, okay, what happened? What do I need to tweak? So that's the challenge for me, for a lot of people is that, okay, let's not bring realism into the dreaming part. Let the dreaming part be optimistic and what if and full of life and full of, and that's, if you're not wired that way, you just have to work at it. And I have to work at it. You know, that's why I do the game with my team. Like I have to work at it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't come natural for me. And I think that's what I try to expose to people is like, because I think the weird thing is when you write a book or when you have a podcast, people just assume you have some things together in your life. And I try to go, it looks that way because I'm that duck that's chill on the surface, but it's paddling like crazy underneath. Like you just don't see the underneath. Here's what the underneath is. Because I yeah. get discouraged when I see somebody who has it all together and never shares the underneath because I'm like, man, I must be doing something wrong because this is a struggle. Like they just roll out of bed at 3 a.m. and are like, I just love life. Like, no, 90% of my mornings, I don't want to run. Like I don't want to work out 90%. But I've learned like another soundtrack for me is that like night me makes the decisions, morning me does the decisions. I don't put morning me in charge of making the decisions because he's going to be like, you know, I thought about it. We're not working out. I thought about it. We're not doing it. Morning me never wants to do it. Night me though is like, we got this. We could do that. Like we tomorrow morning, we're running. Tomorrow morning, we're doing it. So mm. all that morning me has to do is wake up and see essentially the orders from night me and go, oh my gosh, this guy wants to run again. Okay, fine. I'll do it. Like I don't need him to decide or think or argue. He just needs to get out there and do it. Get outside, do the thing that night me made the decision is. Yeah, but here's the thing. It works. I don't care if it's weird, if it works. Another soundtrack, I say, I don't care if it's weird, if it works. I really don't care. Like 
people sometimes will say, well, that's not realistic. And I always say, who said excellence was realistic? Like, when did we ever start believing excellence was real? It's not. Normal is realistic. Normal is I watch eight hours of TV a day. Normal is I have an average marriage. Normal is I hate my job, but eventually I get to retire. That's no, I don't want normal. I want excellent. And that comes with some unrealistic, weird things sometimes. John, there is so much in these books. Oh, I appreciate that. We keep popping from one thing to the next, and it reminds me of other parts. I love that you wrote, I have weapon, weapons grade overthinking. You were talking about, because I've heard people say, just put your negative thought on the leaf and watch the leaf flow down the river. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. You were talking about. Okay. I wish it was that easy. And I do think for some people it is, Yeah, actually. And for others, it's not. But when you're talking about, let's hit this as the last one. Oh, there's so much in here. When you're talking about this night me versus morning me, actually, this is a really big deal. I was talking to this guy named Paul Bogard who wrote a book called The End of Night and how we just don't put any value into our nights. So you're talking about these affirmations and one launches you into your day, the other launches you into your dreams. I mean, no one's really talking about this, John, that we sometimes forget how important the last thing we do before bed is. Yeah. So for me, that is the kind of final moment. And so a simple, a simple activity you can do is just plug your phone in, in a different room, like just plug it in. Like even that, even that will go, that goes a long way to, I don't spend an hour on YouTube. I don't spend an hour that I didn't plan to that's impacting my morning. So like, sometimes that's the other joke I do is like morning me wakes up and realizes night me screwed him over. Like he wakes up, he's like, why do I feel terrible? And he's like, oh, night me, night me did it again. Cause that guy's like, what? Like, it doesn't matter. And so, yeah, I'm deliberate about that. I'm not, I would say, I want to be clear. There's people that have like 12 point checklists before bed where they're like, I stopped drinking caffeine at 1.47 in the afternoon. And then at four, I start messing with my circadian rhythms. Like I don't have that, like a long checklist, but I do a couple things consistently that help me remember like, oh yeah, it's time to go to sleep. And then if I'm working on a big problem, I'll sometimes put that in my head right before I go to bed. Like mm -hmm. I consider my brain like a rock tumbler. So I'll go, hey, we got a big, it's this part of the book is stuck. I'm going to throw that in there, see if my my subconscious can work on it while I sleep. And it sometimes helps, sometimes it doesn't help, but it's better than I watched YouTube videos for an hour. Yeah, it's so good, John. I love the part of the book where you were talking about you were overthinking this meeting that was coming and or it was like you're trying to get this client and you're overthinking and you're overthinking and is it going to work out and then you got the client so it's like all this overthinking is kind of waste but then as soon as you got the client then you're overthinking <laughs> can i actually yeah. deliver oh, the yeah. product yeah. or the job or what they're looking yeah. for so it just goes from one thing to the next soundtracks the surprising solution to overthinking phenomenal book like you said if you just get one idea out of a book that's life-changing it's great, but you know, you're going to get pages and pages and pages out of this thing. John, we can depend on you because you're continuing to grow and continuing to move forward. What can we look forward to next? Uh, next, I'm working on another book. Um, I've got a community I teach online about goals uh, and my podcast. I'm excited about doing a lot of single kind of idea episodes of my podcast. I'm figuring out how I want to do that. It's called All It Takes is a Goal. So yeah, I'm really, and then we've got a new book coming out in the fall uh, for teens. Another, it's called How Teens Win. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun because it's, it kind of answers that question of how do I encourage my teenagers to figure out their potential in a way that's, you know, uplifting, deliberate, tactical. So my daughters and I wrote another book. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. That's awesome, John. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. 
If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.